going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Following a pretty rough week for yours truly at Nashville. Uh, Dan Malin joined by the FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year. Uh, according to the FSWA, he won that two times. Matt Sells. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I thought Nashville was pretty exciting, uh, aside from Kyle Larson setting sail and being in his own uh, race, essentially. Uh, or as some people on Twitter put it, Ross Chastain won the non-Larson division at Nashville. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, hey, you know, it was a pretty good race overall. Um pretty crazy it was interesting to watch all the brake failures um because it seemed like teams set up for an intermediate track and didn't realize you had to run nashville like a short track yeah they didn't realize how long they'd be out of the throttle yeah so that caused uh quite a lot of chaos obviously um the, i know trucks and xfinity were kind of nuts um <laughs> kind of being the undersell of the week i think um but yeah i mean overall i Look, I did all right. I didn't really make money. I basically covered my entry fees. Um, had Felt like I had a pretty good read on the race. Like, if you actually look back on the plays, a lot of the core plays did pretty decently. The problem was that I just never had the right combo of guys in a lineup. Uh, so, you know, there was that nice run from Chastain finishing second. Obviously, Larson stole the show uh, again. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a really nice track. Um, I thought it outproduced expectations because I know when they announced Nashville, everybody was pouting that it wasn't the fairgrounds, but I think that super speedway put on a pretty good show. Um, the, the having a sellout crowd was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. That was the first sellout since the 2020 Daytona 500, I think. Obviously, you know, COVID happened in between, but, um, and the ratings were pretty good, actually. NASCAR won the won the day. The Cup Series was the most watched sporting event that day uh, across cable. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I enjoyed the racing uh, from a non-DFS standpoint. But... Also, the uh, NBC broadcast was way better. It was. They showed uh, mid-pack racing, which is <clears throat> the thing that Fox doesn't like to do. So Overall, pretty rough week. Uh, heavily did... It took a beating. Uh, still feeling okay after big weeks at Martinsville. It was weird. In stage two, I was up 3,100. And then as soon as Chase Briscoe had brake issues, uh, that was the end of my day. That kind of took me out of the running of taking down any GPP. But we'll turn yeah, our that attention to... third stage just keeps popping up on us here, right? It's awful. It's been a thing for a couple of years now. It sucks. But uh, we'll turn our attention to Pocono this weekend. Uh, double header on tap. Uh, let you do a quick track preview for the tricky triangle. Yeah, so we've got there's four races this weekend, right? There's the Cup Series uh, double header. So they're going to race one race on Saturday, then they're going to invert the top 20 from Saturday for Sunday's race, and the 21 <clears> through 38 are going to start where they finished on Saturday. We'll get a little bit more into that later. So you got two Cup Series races. Uh, you've got an Xfinity race this weekend and a Truck Series race this weekend. Um, the tricky triangle hasn't really been, I mean, it's been tricky in some instances. This doubleheader last year was pretty chaotic with a lot of crashes, um, and whatnot. But in this package, in this arrow package that they're going to run on it, which is, I believe, the 550 horsepower, uh, like 
basically the cars don't go anywhere package. Um, it's going to be, unless there's a lot of crashes, it's going to be a pretty boring race. Like, whoever has the fastest car is just going to set sail. So, um, kind of expect that. Uh, if you're new to NASCAR, or forget how, the, you know, Pocono is, it's a two-and-a-half-mile track. It is a triangular-shaped track, has three turns in it. All three corners are different. Um, they're different banking. They're different sharpness of the corner. Um, and this track has the two longest straightaways in NASCAR on it. The home stretch, uh, Pocono is the longest straightaway. Then the long pond straightaway, which goes between turns one and two, is the second longest straightaway uh, in NASCAR. And uh, just, you know, just for fun, the three corners are all based on different uh, former tracks. One of them is based on... Uh, Indianapolis, one of them is based on the now-defunct Trenton Speedway, and one of them is based on the, I believe, now-defunct, although it might still be running, Milwaukee Mile. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got that. Um, it can be tough if guys come with the wrong setup. It's going to be a very long day for them because there's basically no time in this race to make up for a bad setup. Um, but, yeah, the... That's the basic rundown here. You'll have 130 laps, one cup race, 140 laps, the second cup race. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the... That's kind they of ran the, a doubleheader here last year for the Cup Series, right? They did. That Last year was the first year they decided to do it because... So the thing with Pocono is it's had two dates on the Cup schedule for quite a while, and they're usually like six weeks apart. Um, usually one's like the beginning of July, and the second one's the the middle of August or it goes June and then into late July, whatever. Um, and so in order to condense the schedule a little bit, they got creative and put it as a double header so that they could sell more tickets. Cause now if you buy one ticket package, you get, you know, a ticket to both races. So you can see two cup races uh, in one weekend and the ticket sold like hotcakes. And then obviously nobody could show up because of COVID <laughs> last year. Um, so, yeah, they, they did it last year. You basically have to bring the same car uh, to both races, unless, obviously, you wreck out, and then you're going to a backup, and then you'll start the second race in the back. Um, but, yeah, they, they did the doubleheader last year, um, and it was it, it met with pretty interesting reviews from the drivers. So we can assume that, you know, teams are probably going to refer to notes from last year because it was the same circumstances where they kind of just had to show up and race. They... And if you showed up with the wrong setup, you were kind of screwed. Do you expect that to kind of be the case again this year? Or do, or do teams probably have a better idea of what they need to do for this year's race? I would expect that they have a little bit better idea what they need to do for this year's race. Um, obviously, not really all that much has changed for the Xfinity or Truck Series races because they only did one each last year as well. Mm -hmm. um, so those they'll probably, you know, go based off of their notes last year. There are some minor tire changes this year for the series, um, but I don't believe that that will change all that much about the overall setup. Um, obviously, there are some guys that are not doing quite as well right now uh, this year as they were at this point last year, namely Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Um, but yeah, it... it you know, it's one of those things where if they don't hit it Saturday, they can make adjustments for Sunday. But it's something you got to kind of take into account um, when you're when you're you know 
looking at the uh, DFS side of things for this weekend. All right. As far as news goes, news broke earlier on Wednesday that Jeff Gordon would not be returning to the Fox broadcast. He's taken up a job, pretty big job, uh, with yep. Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, is this necessarily a surprise? I actually, I enjoy, I think I like the idea of the chemistry between him and Boyer in the booth a lot better than the actual product, but I'm not going to necessarily say I'm going to miss Jeff Gordon in the booth. I'm, you know, Clint Boyer just seems like more of a natural for TV. Yeah. Um, so this had been rumored for a couple of weeks now. There had been rumors starting to circulate that Gordon was probably going to be out of the Fox booth. Uh, he took over the, I think it's vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports, which essentially the only one he reports to is Rick Hendrick. Like, he's number two in line at, at Hendrick Motorsports at this point. Uh, so that's a pretty nice gig there. Um, gets to stay in Charlotte, doesn't have to go on the road, doesn't have to, you know, travel and do all the TV prep work and whatever. He's basically running the show at Hendrick Motorsports. Um, as for what Fox is going to do, they have not yet announced. Obviously, this news broke, like, I don't know, eight hours ago. We're recording this uh, Wednesday evening. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be just Mike Joy and Clint Boyer in the booth, because I don't think Mike Joy can take Boyer's <laughs> energy for a half a season. I think he'd strangle him halfway through the Daytona 500. Um, there are some in-house candidates, I would imagine, at Fox Sports. I, you know, Jamie Mack could probably take over Gordon's spot in the booth. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys. Um, but, yeah, there was also news. Um, did we talk about the, the news... Uh, with Justin Haley and Allmendinger last week? Or did that uh, break after the podcast? I honestly can't remember, but we can touch on it now because it's pretty awesome that, you know, Colleague is making yeah. the Cup Series next year. Yeah, Colleague's running the Cup Series. They got their two charters uh, from Spire, which is, I think, what Spire had planned, basically, is that they got three charters, knew they weren't going to run three teams and just wanted the money from the charter so that they could put that into their other race team. Um, so LaJoy is one of the three cars that races for Spire. LaJoy is staying there in the number seven car next year. Um, and then the other two charters are going to Colleague, who's going to now run Justin Haley full-time. And the Dinger is back in the Cup Series next year full-time, which is pretty cool, actually. Not going to lie. I kind of missed having Ullman Dinger in the Cup Series. Was he full-time? Uh, I thought he was part-time. I believe that the plan was to run him full-time in the Cup Series, but maybe I maybe it's part-time. Uh, I could be mistaken in that for sure. My guess is that he's certainly taking the six or seven road courses. Uh, I can't imagine that you're going to run Allmendinger in the Cup Series and not run him on road courses. Um, so get ready to have like a three-headed monster for road courses next year between Truex and Chase and Dinger and maybe even Larson uh, or Hamlin. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's confirming uh, in an article I have pulled up. Dinger's going to run a part-time Cup oh. Series schedule, full-time Xfinity, okay. so they will have another driver. Maybe Jeb Burton gets some runs in some Cup races. Maybe we'll see. we'll certainly see what they'll do with the. But they do have two full-time charters, so they'll yeah. fill some some <clears> other <throat> spots there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty exciting um, that there's an expansion for sure happening in the Cup Series, a new team. Um, and they've been pretty pretty good in the Xfinity level. Uh, they've been great in the Xfinity level. Yeah, so it's not like 
some brand new team that hasn't ever done this before is hopping in to try to get right. glory. They they know what they're doing and they're stepping up because the car is cheaper, the, the entry fees are cheaper to get going now. So, all right, you just want to jump to the DFS slates? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So I have not taken a very, I guess, deep look at the truck and Xfinity races as far as pricing and starting spots and how I'm constructing my lineups. I'm going to say this. The truck series is a Kyle Busch race. Uh, He's starting P22, and he's 15,000. So he needs 75 points for 5X value. So if he wins the race, and so simply winning the race, he'll get 46 points plus 21 for PD. uh, So that's... 67 points he needs eight dominator points to hit 5x value he can easily do that yeah you'd uh, expect him to put up some fastest laps for sure as he's moving his way through as the field he's moving through the field um but the other thing is is that the the truck and xfinity races they i'm treating them as if they're road courses this week there's only 60 laps in the truck race there's 90 for xfinity so 60 laps in the truck race means 42 dominator points uh for xfinity it's going to be 63 dominator points so while the dominator points aren't abundant. I'm mostly looking at PD. If Kyle Busch is going to be so heavily played, especially in the truck series, if he's in his own truck, um, he's easily going to be able to move through the field. If he wins, he can easily hit value. However, there's still that really good chance that you know he lets John Hunter Nemechek win another race. Um, but I, I know I typically try to throw a couple drivers at you. Uh, haven't done that so much today because the prices just came out a few hours ago and I just haven't had time to look at them. But for the most part, I'm treating these two races as if they're road course races. For Xfinity, I'm willing to dabble more with uh, Dominator points since they have a, a little more. Uh, but obviously, I'll dive into my more likable plays in the playbook and the core plays for both races. Not sure if you have anything you want to say, Matt, but we can also just move on to the cup races. No, I mean I think it's a good strategy to te- to to take the truck race like it's a like it's a road course, um, because typically in the truck Pocono race, it's not like one truck runs away with it and just leads a boatload of laps. Usually, one guy will lead ten or fifteen laps, and another guy will lead ten or fifteen laps, and at those point totals, you're just not getting enough to focus on laps led, right? So, uh, treating it like we treated um, Sonoma or Coda in the Cup Series makes perfect sense, or uh, I guess what Mid Ohio uh, for Xfinity a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, Xfinity, you can dabble a little bit more, I would say, in GPPs. Um, with laps led, because there are the 30 extra laps to go target. Um, and then Cup Series, we're definitely going to target laps led for sure, um, especially because Kyle Larson's in the race um, and started on the pole. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that that's... And, and there tends to be a little bit of chaos in the Truck Series especially. Um, getting into Turn 1 is very, very tricky. And, again, there's not going to be any practice for any of these series. So you got a bunch of guys in trucks who haven't raced here before. Could get a little dicey going into turn one. We've seen a lot of cautions the last couple of years in the truck races in, in turn one specifically because it just it looks so inviting because you're, like, six wide in the, the front stretch. <laughs> you can only go through turn one, like, two wide tops. 
so those other four cars got to go somewhere. All right, let's start breaking down the, I guess, first Cup Series race. It's going to be difficult to break down the second Cup Series race simply because we don't know where anyone is starting it, but we can touch on a few strategies. Uh, Kyle Larson is on the pole. DraftKings is finally uh, listening to everybody, and they're starting to price him up dramatically. 12500 from the pole. Uh, he can only get you negative PD, but at the same time, we've seen him start on the pole. We've seen him win outright. Um, he's he led 264 laps last week with 133 fastest laps. It's not going to be very hard for him to pay off value here, especially if, if he once again shows up with the world's fastest car. Yeah. Also, he's right now the nice player of the week because he's averaging 69 points like per race. Chase Briscoe might have an issue with that, but we can touch on him later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's okay. So to go over the strategy that Dan just talked about and I touched on earlier. Uh, if you don't remember from last year, they run Saturday's race. So they set the starting lineup for Saturday's race based on the qualifying formula they've been using for the last year, right? Combination of owner points, driver points, uh, last race's finish position, and fastest lap ranked in order of fastest to slowest. Okay, so that puts Kyle Larson on the pole. Shocker. He's been phenomenally good the last, like, eight weeks. Um, but what that means is on Sunday's race, they take the top 20 finishing positions from Saturday's race and flip them. So the guy that wins Saturday's race is going to start Sunday's race 20th. And the guy that finishes 20th in Saturday's race is going to start on the pole for Sunday's race. Then the second half of the field, 21 through whatever, 38, I guess. The guys that finished twenty one through thirty eight on in Saturday, they start where they finished for Sunday, right? So, if you finish Saturday's race twenty first, you're going to start Sunday's race twenty first, and just keep trying to move oh. up. Okay, so they don't do the formula that they've been basing most of the races on. No. Okay. No, not as far. The last year, what they did was they literally just started the second half of the field in the same order that they finished. Okay. Saturday's race, they started them that way for Sunday's race, but they flipped the. So it's a little, it's going to be a little interesting to watch what happens at the end of the race. Do you sell out to, like, if a guy is tenth at the end of Saturday, towards the end of Saturday's race, do they take an extra pit to get fresher tires and try to move up and potentially win the race, depending on how fast Kyle Larson's car is. Uh, or do they just strategically kind of drop back a little bit so they can start Sunday's race closer to the front? And the battle for 20th is going to be nuts because if you finish 21st, you're starting 20 spots behind the guy that finishes 20th. Hmm. Right? Yeah. If you finish 21st, <laughs> the guy that finished in front of you on Saturday is on the pole. 20 yeah. spots in front of you. And now you're going to have Kyle Larson and probably Kyle Busch and... I'm going to guess the other three Hendrick cars to have to try to go through to move up for Sunday's race. So while the pricing is out on both sites for both races, FanDuel literally went copy paste and made everybody the same price on Sunday that they did on <laughs> Saturday. Uh, DraftKings messed with it a little bit. So Kyle Larson's 12-5 on Saturday. He's 12-8 on Sunday. So they're expecting Kyle Larson to finish in the top like three and then give you PD on Sunday. Right, Chase Elliott's the second most expensive driver on Saturday at eleven thousand. 
He's the fifth most expensive driver on Sunday at 10-2. So they've played a little bit of gamesmanship here trying to predict what happens in Saturday's race and who's going to be starting where for Sunday's race. Um, so with that said, I think Kyle Larson at this point has proven that he's basically a lock to get in your lineup. Now, building around him, that's going to be tough, as Dan can attest to with a Kyle Busch Xfinity or truck race. It's pretty hard to pay up for that guy and then get guys you're comfortable with in the last like two spots of your DK lineup. Um, but you got to do it, right? Like, it's Kyle Larson. You can't ignore the streak he's on. Cliff Daniels has that car locked in every single week. Um, and Hendrick typically does pretty well in the bigger tracks where pure horsepower takes over. Um, so, yeah, meanwhile, um, I guess I have a question for you. Would you rather pay the 12.5 for Larson on the pole or the 11,000 for Chase Elliott starting 29th on Saturday? Hmm. Probably Larson. However, the three lineups I have right now, two of them have Larson and Elliott, which really kind of handcuffs me. How for the did rest you of my... possibly pull that? Like, <laughs> I'm very curious how you pulled that off. So spending almost half your budget on two dudes. It's a very early lineup. Uh, threw it together for you know some. You're gonna make me lose my hair here. Is that what's gonna? Well, happen? it's Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Matt Denebeto, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, Corey LaJoy. But we were talking. I don't. I I don't <laughs> hate that on first on first hearing it. I actually don't hate it. That's a like almost a pure PD lineup at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got LaJoy at 23. Uh, you said what? De Benedetto. There's a free lineup. For everybody. Briscoe at 28. Chase at 29, and then Larson on the pole. So you've got, you're hoping that Larson leads like half the laps. Nobody leads all the laps. Well, okay. I don't think that that's going to happen, but who knows? It's been happening. That's true. It has been. (laughs) Coming into Nashville, I think since May 9th, Hendrick cars have led 89% of laps, and then Larson went out and led 260-something of the 300 laps, so that percentage stayed over 85%, which is ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, so let's, you know, we've got Ryan Blaney in 27th spot. Truex had a terrible Nashville race. What are we doing with Truex? It's really hard to play him. Like, remember, in, this was probably three months ago, we were talking about how Kyle Busch might be the worst driver on JGR. So yeah, looked, I don't think like, that's at the that, case. At that time, he was the only one without a win. And he actually looked like crap. And now it looks like he's once again just the best driver. And I mean, he hates his car almost every single week. He hated his car four hours after qualifying with it when they didn't even change it. So I don't don't know what the excuses are for Kyle Busch at this point. Because he had an extra race last weekend. He had practice. He had qualifying in which, by the way, he missed the pole last weekend by like 15 thousandths of a second. Mm -hmm. And then literally said his car was a bucket of... BS like halfway through the race nothing changed I think it's a byproduct of Kyle Larson and Hendrick just being so far above the field that it just it does become a little frustrating when you're paying up for these other big four team drivers like you know anyone from JGR or or Stuart Haas Stuart Haas is (laughs) 
it's almost an abomination to play any of those guys except Kevin Harvick, and you're just hoping he yeah. can get you a top five. So it's like it's just it's Hendrick and everyone else. And when you're playing these other drivers that are over nine K and they're just not doing what you hope them that they'll do. And it's because Kyle Larson is just running away with the race every week. Yeah, and so it's it just, is it's frustrating from if you're just either playing anybody else or if you're a fan of any other driver. Yeah. I mean you know, we talk about not punting in the cup series. Well, okay, but where does punting begin at this point, right? Like, can you make the argument that everybody but Hendrick is punting? <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I see what you're asking. Like, can you make the argument that paying Martin Truex Jr. at 10-7 is hoping for an expensive punt? Right? Like, we, we you you preach to people not to go below, like, six grand on DK mm-hmm. for cup drivers because everybody down there is in equipment that's usually terrible. But I can say the same thing about Truex at 10-7. Like, <laughs> like that, that's what's really interesting right now is that it feels like even with big-name drivers, it's still a crapshoot every single week. Even when they have practice and you're relatively sure that Kyle Busch is going to show up and have a pretty good day, Nope. <laughs> Doesn't happen. It's so, you don't want to even suck what really sucks about Kyle Larson's season is that he's so awesome and he's getting all the fanfare, but William Byron has been so fast this year yes. and he's having like his best year ever. And he just he doesn't get nearly the recognition. I mean he he had to drop to the rear and was scored from fourth and still grabbed a top three finish last week. Yeah, I took him out of the rankings last week when he was going to start from the back and he was scored from starting what fourth. Yeah. I was like, you can't, I didn't think you could risk it. Right. Cause I mean, he still didn't hit five X value, but it's still impressive that he dropped to the rear. Right. Came all the way back up, especially after what we had seen in the truck and Xfinity series, because it was very tough to pass at Nashville. Yeah. Especially since Bowman apparently missed the message. He did. He missed the memo completely on that <clears> setup, man. That guy, <laughs> Must have fallen asleep in the team meeting because he was the only Hendrick car not to finish in what the top five. Yeah, Chase had a pretty good. Well, I guess Chase Chase crashed out or had an issue, right? Oh no, he got DQ'd. Right, 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 right. He got DQ'd because they forgot to put lug nuts on his car. But uh, you, for this week's lineup construction, you can easily go with Kyle Larson and have seventy five hundred left per driver on DraftKings, and you can still build a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, uh, mixing in not necessarily like cheap punts, but you can mix in guys that have just looked really good this year. You can fit in Ross Chastain at sixty eight hundred, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Daniel Suarez, who, Benedetto at seventy one hundred. Yeah, I'd still like that play. Um, <laughs> what are you doing with Chastain this week? Well, he's starting <clears throat> sixth on Saturday. He was off my radar until we were talking about him before the podcast. Because I think the starting spot is going to scare a lot of people away, but he could actually lose two spots and still hit five x value by finishing eighth if he still gets a top quick. If he still gets a top ten and you pair him with the right dominator, Kyle Larson, you're going to be perfectly fine taking a top ten if Larson's over there accumulating the dominator points. Because at that point, if you're getting Larson just getting all the points, I'm pretty much looking for my five other drivers to get a top ten or top 15 with some PD. Right. And by the way, he's had two top sevens and three top sevens, like two top sevens in a row 
not including the all-star race, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three top sevens in the last four races. So that team is, and he's moved up pretty well in each of the last like 10 races, uh, except for the Coke 600. Um, but again, he has been starting further back. So I, th- I think you're right. I think the starting spot of six is going to scare some people off. But that 42 team has had quite a bit of speed for, you know, a good chunk of time here. Um, you I think start... a lot of people, I think a lot of people are going to rather go chase Briscoe for the PD and a hundred bucks more. Well, the only thing that worries me about that is that these races can get pretty on long green flag runs. They can get pretty spread out. Right. And while I have liked what I've seen from Briscoe lately, you know, he's the kind of driver that I could see getting into turn one with a pack of other drivers and having the worst luck and having something go wrong. Yep. I'll, I'll um, agree there. But I do like, you know, you can start a Larson build with, you know, Larson, Chastain, Suarez, and for your remaining three spots, you have $8,000 to work with for every other driver, and you're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to complain about having 8000 bucks to work with. Um, not exactly a huge fan of the guys that are directly around 8000 bucks. Like Christopher Bell. I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of Christopher Bell this year. Every week I think he's not going to do anything. He does something. And then every week I think he's going to do something. He doesn't do anything. Um, although I was on him a little bit last week, um, starting 25th. Now he's starting 9th. So it is a little, it's a little trickier to figure out. I don't know if I'm on board. It's he's probably just going to be relegated to just GPPs. I do like Chris Busher starting 25th at eight. Yes, I will take Busher uh, at eight grand, uh, but Bell starting ninth. I mean, let's just face it. The I mean, I know the All Star race doesn't necessarily count for anything, but he started third and finished eleventh, right? Then at the well, we're not going to count Coda because that was a mess no matter what you did. But at Dover, started 11th, finished 21st. At Kansas, started 8th, finished 28th. At Dega, again, a kind of another messy race, but started 6th, finished 17th. And Richmond started 8th, finished 4th. So that's the only one he's actually finished better than he started when he starts in the top 10. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard to trust a guy with those kind of stats. Um, Almarola, by the way, has been sneaky good here, and I think they found their mojo last week. I think they were they, fast, yeah. I think they figured something out. Now, again, it's a completely different package. It's not the 750 horsepower package this week. It's the 550, which could make a pretty decent difference. But at Pocono, starting up front is generally, if you can show up with a solid enough setup on the car, you can generally hold your spot pretty well. Here, so he's going to be another guy. That's basically what he did in the first race at Pocono last year. He right. started on the pole, he finished third, and he led sixty-one laps. Right. So his, he'll start eleventh this week. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to look at De Benedetto for two hundred bucks cheaper and say he's starting ten spots further back. And you know, De Benedetto's been arguably, I, well, it's not arguably. He's been better than Almarola this year. I mean, he started twenty-first in the first race last year, finished 13th, and then he started 8th right. in the second race and finished 6th. Right. So, De Benedetto, I'm not saying De Benedetto is not a good play. I'm just saying if you want to get a little bit of uh, difference right in your lineups, Almarola off of De Benedetto can help that. 
Uh, I feel like we skipped over a bunch of really good drivers. Do we want to go back up, or do we want to keep breaking yeah. down? Yeah, no, we can go back up. I'm just kind of hopping around to whoever, like, catches my eye right now. But, yeah, we skipped over basically all of the Penske guys. Uh, speaking of, what's your read on Brad Keselowski? 9500 is a pretty nice price tag for a guy in Penske equipment starting P18, but it's also a guy who, at times, we just don't think he's – we think he's pretty checked out. Yeah, man, I literally don't have a read on Keselowski. Right? Like, I don't know if you read my playbook right up on him last week, but it was like, look, the guy's lucky. He catches the right breaks at the right time, and sometimes you just need that. And then he didn't last week. He just didn't. Like, that car was bad. Like, <laughs> it didn't do anything. All he did was go backwards, no fastest laps, no laps led. There's a pretty good history here, though. He does have a good history. See, that's the problem. That's what we were talking about, <laughs> I think, before... Before we started recording, or maybe just at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of guys with good history here have been really questionable this year, mm-hmm. right? Like in the last six Pocono races, the top five drivers, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Truex, Gislowski. Do you feel good about any of those guys right now? Not right now, just knowing how good Kyle Larson is. Right? Like the next five would be Almarola, Byron, Jones, Blaney, and Chase. I feel better about that group of five than the top five. Yeah. Right? I mean, I know Elliot got DQ'd last week because they forgot to put on lug nuts. Um, but that's the only suspension is that he gets he, he gets DQ'd, and now he's going to start from, like, 29th. He still has his crew chief. His spotter is back. Um, it's basically all good. He's just going to work his way back up. But for this, for Saturday's race, it was great for PD. Um Blaney starting 27th because he his brakes did not want to work uh, early in that race <laughs> at Nashville. Um, but no kidding, glad that he's okay because that was a pretty solid shot that Blaney took uh, going into the wall there at Nashville. But, like, Amarola's looked good of late. Byron has definitely looked good. The guy's got, what, 13 top 10 finishes in 15 races this year? Um Eric Jones has looked pretty quick in that 43 car. Blaney, can you make the argument that Blaney right now is at least in the conversation for best Penske driver? Or are you still convinced it's it's Logano? I'm probably going to still lean Logano. Yeah, I mean, Logano's been more consistent, but I would say that the speed is probably better with Blaney. He just hasn't put it all together. Um. Remember how fast Blaney was prior to COVID last year? And then ever since, it's just been, you know, he's won some races, but at the same time, it's just like, I wish he would refine that that speed. Because he was Kyle Larson. Yeah, he could have legitimately won four of the first five races last year. Yeah. And there were, like, just weird, fluky reasons why he didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Like a flat tire or loose wheel or whatever at Auto Club. Right. Um. I think a bad pit at the end of the Vegas race, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he got caught up in lap traffic in a lap traffic lap crash at Phoenix. Like just all sorts of weird things happened to Blaney at the start of the last year that took, but he legitimately could have won four of the first five races. Um, actually, he could have won the Daytona 500 too. He was pushing Newman and then had that weird crash deal yeah. happen. Um, but anyway, it, Larson is still going to be played at like 
even at 12-5. Playing Larson, like, I feel good about it. And then, but, like, I, I feel good about playing Elliott. I feel good about playing Blaney just based off the PD. But it's kind of, you're kind of right. Like, playing Truex, playing Kyle Busch, playing Hamlin, playing Kozlowski, playing Harvick. Just going all the way down to Byron at 9,000. I would feel okay playing Byron as as a – I mean, he's on the front row and he's starting next to his teammate, and Byron has been fast this year. Yes. But playing, but playing like Harvick, Kislowski, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr., I just don't love it just knowing how good Hendrick and Larson have been. Now, what are we doing with Bowman? I was going to ask you that because I had a lineup set and I couldn't decide between just paying up 9500 for Kislowski or re- just giving up five spots of PD and going down to Bowman. Because um, Bowman I mean, is starting 13th. He's also the cheapest Hendrick driver at 8600 But the question is, do we trust that his setup is going to be good enough to compete? Because, like, last weekend his setup was nowhere near his other three teammates. Not even close. He was like in twentieth most of most. I of think I race. still like him a lot because he only needs to fin- he needs to finish seventh for five x value, and I have all the faith in the world that he can get there. I mean, he's won twice this year. Um, I'm and I actually like the price tag. I think that there will be a decent amount of ownership on it, though. He's a good mid range play that you can fit with Kyle Larson or any potential dominator. And you know, feel decent about him hitting five X. I feel yeah, like I think, I think Byron actually gets overlooked because he's starting second. Byron will be significantly more overlooked. And I think I think the argument that people will have is that Byron doesn't stand a chance of leading laps starting next to his teammate. So what's the point in paying for Byron if he's just gonna hang out there? Mm-hmm. But I don't know that to be true. Right? Like he A, he doesn't have to lead that many laps to hit value. If he finishes in the top three, he's only going to lead, I don't know, 10, 15 laps. He could do that on a weird pit cycle, right? We saw him do it at um, at Dover. Didn't he lead like 60 laps at Dover or something? 20 laps at Dover? He, he led some amount of laps and then wound up finishing fourth. Yeah, 21 fa- uh, laps led and 26 fastest laps. Right. I could see him doing close to the same thing not like that there's as many laps at Pocono as there is at Dover but would you play Larson and Byron together in a GPP lineup because that's kind of risky I don't think I would because you're you're going whole hog for last play yeah you've got zero shot at PD I mean Byron can get you one spot right which is actually worth five because if he winds up winning the race there's a four-point jump between first and second, and then you get the one point of PD. But um, you've got basically zero shot of PD. And we're pretty sure that Larson's going to be good, but we're not 100% sure that Larson's going to be good. Um, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't. I would, If you want to be contrarian, I would play Byron in a GPP and use that as your laps-led guy. Um in the off chance that he actually beats Larson into turn one and then can just keep him behind him. Yeah, I think I am going to use Byron in some, in maybe one single entry lineup and over Larson. Because, I mean, look, as good as Larson's been, like, he's not exempt from having a mechanical issue, a penalty on pit road. Like, 
Anything and I know that Larson was in different equipment, but Larson's also only put up two top ten finishes in the last four Pocono races. Keep in mind, he did not race here last year. Obviously, he was not in the Cup Series. Byron, meanwhile, has put up four top tens in his last six Pocono races. His average finish is 9.7. So he's used to finishing up closer to the front. Larson's average finish is 14th. Again, different equipment. Clearly, Hendrick is far better than Ganassi. Um but it is something to keep in mind that not necessarily does every track fit Larson's driving style. I feel like we've talked about Larson so much. Everyone thinks that he's got us on payroll. Um, it's worth not to talk about a guy who hasn't finished worse than second in seven weeks. Right. Uh, what's the read on Tyler Reddick this week? You know, that's a good that that's a good question because typically we think of Reddick as being a guy who needs, you know a tire wear track to show up and, and whatnot. And Reddick didn't exactly have a great showing at Pocono last year, but again, completely different setup from normal Xfinity cars, no practice was a rookie. Um, and once you get into the hole, the first day, it's kind of hard to undig that hole in the second day. He did finish 30th and 35th last year. Um, when he started 15th and 30th, um, so that's not great, but that car has been a lot better this year than it has than it was last year. Um, so I would take a shot on him. I think more people are going to pay more attention to his teammate, Austin Dillon, who has a better record here um, and did finish in the top 20 both races last year at Pocono. Um, but yeah, I would I would play Redick as a way to differentiate myself. All right. Are there any drivers you want to discuss real quick before we just kind of, I know we've kind of touched on strategy for the second race, but it will ultimately come down to like where everyone finishes any drivers that we may have overlooked. Um, no, I think we can save the rest of them for the playbook. Um, and whatnot. Um, you know, I posted in the discord channel, what the schedule for content is. This week, a lot of it's going to come out Thursday. There will only be one track breakdown this week. I know there's two races, but let's face it. We can all use our eyes and see what happened in the first race to figure out, you know, some stuff with the second race. So there'll be one track breakdown. It'll be out on Thursday in the form that you saw last week with the tables attached to it under the write-up. I believe I said the rankings would be out on Thursday as well. Um, and I believe first run of projections out on Thursday for Cup. Um, playbook for Cup, the first. So playbook for Saturday's race will be out Friday. Um, core plays for Saturday's race will be out Saturday after, you know, any potential news breaks about tech inspection, whatever. Um, and then expect a bevy of content to come out Saturday evening for the Cup race because... You know, obviously, once the cup race ends, get busy rewriting a whole new playbook. Brand new projections will come out. Brand new rankings will come out for Sunday's race and then four plays on Sunday. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of NASCAR content this weekend. So, yes, uh, yes, um, because Dan also has his playbooks out for trucks and Xfinity as well. So, there's a lot of stuff coming out this weekend. I love it. All right, Matt. Well. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, We have a lot going on this weekend, so we'll both be in the Discord heavily. So, Matt, 
Thank you for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.